episode of the Speak Out Loud podcast. Man, we are so glad you are joining us today. We can't believe it's already episode four. No way. So we are in that stage now. You know, our last episode we were recording kind of right at the beginning of the new year, and I think now that we've gotten a few weeks into January, there's a big question. I don't know if it's on your minds out there at home listening or in your car or wherever you are. But it's happening in our house right now, and that is, Stacy. how long do we leave the Christmas decorations up? Well, because we're starting a podcast, we've had this huge distraction, and so we haven't been able to do it yet is the way I look at it. I think that's a good excuse. Mm-hmm. No, I, no, it's perspective. It's perspective, not excuse. That's mm-hmm. even a better way of saying it. Mm-hmm. But I love how you have you kind of collected everything from the house, <laughs> and you've put it in one corner of our living room. I so now, you know, it's kind of like just staring me down as I sit there and watch television, reminding me, man, how lazy I am to just look at all those decorations that need to be put away. And You're I'm not lazy. It's progress. It is progress because yesterday as I went room to room after being out of town for eight days and I was picking stuff up from Christmas, I was just trying to make a focal point in our house Yes. so that that way it just wasn't still spread out throughout the house. So I have a plan. And it's a good plan. You have a good plan. You're a beautiful decorator, and you are very efficient <laughs> at undecorating, or however you say it. I will say that uh, I hung some Christmas lights this year. I didn't get up on, like, the 20-foot ladder, didn't pull a Chevy Chase from Christmas Vacation, none of that. <laughs> but uh, I was very motivated to put them up, and I can just tell you I'm not feeling the motivation to take them down. I almost wonder if I could... Just, you know, leave the leave them up and change the color so that uh, maybe they go with the seasons this year or something. Mm-hmm. Surely there's spring lights out there for some purpose we could use. But maybe this weekend, maybe if uh, it's not too cold, we'll get out there and get it done. We? Or I. I can get the outdoor we, lights done. As in we, we mean you. We means you. Exactly. Yes. Okay. That's okay. Then I'll get the boxes down out of the garage and you can then put everything else away. So, mm-hmm. But it's okay. I love Christmas. We love Christmas. I love um, getting to c- continue to celebrate it and with all the decorations. And uh, it's not a bad thing. It's just uh, it's going on a little bit longer this year than some. So, <laughs> hey, uh, we are so glad you joined us. If uh, this is your first time to listen in on the Speak Out Loud podcast or maybe you've been with us over the last few episodes, Hey, the purpose of our podcast is to bring hope, to speak hope out of our experience through the mental health journey and uh, to share hope with those of you that struggle with mental health issues and also for those that love you, for your family, for your friends, and those that maybe support someone that's going through that challenge. So we are going for, and our hope is, our big hope is to build a community of hope and encouragement for those that struggle with mental health and those that love them. And that's Really where our first three episodes have been, if you haven't listened to those, we'd love for you to go back and check those episodes out. Our first two episodes really are kind of a pilot. We broke into two parts, and it just tells our story from the beginning of our mental health journey to our recovery journey to, we, as we said, hey, we're, we're, where we are today, we're on that journey. We're still moving forward. And then the last episode, about a week ago, we we jumped into this topic that I know is, is hot on everybody's kind of minds, and uh, it's been in the news, it's been uh, a big topic, is the mental health issues, mental health in the pandemic. Yeah. And we were sharing from our experience in just how these last nine, ten months, Stacey, have been so difficult 
for you particularly as as we've gone through this, but also how you've handled that and what you've done. And I think maybe if there was anything that's a kind of a summary statement out of our last episode, it was um, your encouragement that what it looks like to, to live out recovery in the midst of the pandemic is just, it's to do the next right thing, yeah. whatever that looks like. So I love that. I know a lot of you listening sent us messages, um, joined in. Some of you have uh, left a review for us and some comments. We are so appreciative of all your kind words and the reviews you've left and the ratings you've given us. We we're so thankful for that. Uh, we invite you to do that. It helps us uh, just get this podcast out to to more and more listeners, hopefully. But for those of you who have shared that encouragement with us, we are so thankful and appreciative for you. Um, today's topic, we are jumping in uh, to something uh, kind of a focused time here together on the topic of depression. And if you listen to our first episodes in the pilot, we talk about how that's been a big part of your mental health journey, Stacy, mm-hmm. and and for me as well, and learning how to hopefully better encourage you, better support you. And so that's where we're just going to do a little bit of a deep dive today is in this topic of depression and just what that looks like and, and how it impacts us and and how we get through it, how, Stacy you recover through that. So um, before we jump into that, we just need to, I think, those of you that have listened before have heard us say this, we are not counselors. We are not professional therapists. So today, as we talk about depression, we're not coming at it from that angle. We're not coming to you as, as medical professionals or as mental health professionals, treatment professionals in this field, but we're coming to you out of our experience. So we're sharing our experience. Maybe your experience is a little bit different, and that's okay. But these are some things we've learned, Stacy. I know you've learned, mm-hmm. that have helped us and um, that really are a big part of our life for the last, I don't know, many number of years. And, and Over 30. Today. Yeah. Over 30. So, Stacy, I know one of the things that has been really helpful for me is when mm-hmm. you have kind of just described a day of, of what it's like to, to battle those dark thoughts, to battle depression, just to help me better understand. So it might be helpful for everybody listening if you just describe what what is that like for you and and just what does it feel like? What is it just what does a day like that look like even? Mm-hmm. I think perhaps it's one of the hardest things to describe because unless you've experienced something, it can be very hard to convey that. So what I've been asking God is to please help me to open my heart and my mind and be able to share with you very clearly today. Um, kind of the crevices uh, of my mind and what is taking place when I go to that dark, dark place. And one of the things is, is that it is like a dark tunnel. Um, It seems never ending. It seems like uh, it's very lonely there and that no light is shed in that area of my mind. I feel really guilty when it happens. I feel bad. I feel like I've done something to provoke it. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the life of me, over the last years after year after year after year, I cannot find a commonality in that other than what we'll discuss in a few minutes, and that is it being a chemical imbalance. But before going there, um, I want to describe to you how it makes me feel when I notice that that spiral, when that dark hole, when that dark cavern cave is starting to really appear in my heart and my mind, I get very quiet. And people with depression, 
can react in different ways. Sort of like how alcohol can have a different effect on different people's minds and chemicals in their body. For me, I get real quiet and I isolate and I feel like I must be too much for other people because I'm so overwhelmed with myself and with the feelings that I'm having with my mind. It's all I can do to get up. I think that for you, as we've talked through this and lived it out for a number of years, that really seems to be a common feeling, a consistent feeling when you're having these days. I've heard you say a lot is like, I'm too much. This Mm -hmm. is too much. And I think that that that's something that is pretty consistent for you. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really scary feeling for you, isn't it? Definitely. I kind of wait for people to leave when I am in this mindset. I feel like, I guess the best buzzword for me is burden. Mm -hmm. And um, I am always worried that somebody's about to say, well, that's a burden. What you're saying is too much for me. I don't know what to do for you, with you. I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to love you. I don't know how to help you get through this. Things like that are so, um, I'm so afraid that those things are going to be said that I kind of just go into my own world and I get real Mm -hmm. quiet and I isolate like I was talking about. Um, I just dread what somebody's response could be. So I hesitate to say what's going on because I don't want to. I don't want to know what the result could be in their own heart and mind. Yeah, and it really does. And, and if I'm putting words in your mouth, correct me. But it, I know it. It feels like probably states that. Okay, I can't. I can't get out of this. Mm-hmm. It's like the, when you say it's a dark tunnel. It's like you're at one end, but that that proverbial light at the end of the tunnel is not mm-hmm. there. It's like it's just never ending almost. It's kind of like swimming in clothes. Okay. You just feel like, okay, I'm in the water like everybody else that I'm with. Why do I feel like it's so much harder to stay afloat? Mm, yeah. And often it's because I've got so much wearing on my mind yeah. and weighing on my mind that I feel like I can't come to the surface. Yeah. Wow. That's a great description. I don't, I don't, you've never shared that with me before, it is, but that really helps me even just as we sit here talking not only understand, but feel it better. And I think mm-hmm. that's what is so important for us as as family members, as friends, as those that that love someone, that, that are friends with someone who struggles with depression. So often in our minds, we just are assuming almost, well, you're just down. And mm-hmm. so we kind of start thinking, I know I've done this to you probably many times, is we start just trying to throw out things so that, should make you happier. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it's not just these situations. It's not just stuff that's going to um, make you happier. It's it's really you are battling an illness and it's affecting um, it's affecting kind of how your mind is working. And I think one of the things that is so important for us that love someone that cares for someone that struggles with mental health is that we don't put them in a position of, of kind of bearing that extra weight of trying to convince others they're sick. I think so often that's that's maybe one of the cruelest things that happens when someone has mental health is that for us that maybe that, that aren't experiencing that same thing, our minds might not be perceiving something. It's really hard for us to get. It's hard for me to get how you're feeling. And so it's... It's, I'm better at this, I think, than I used to be, 
we make them somehow make you justify, well, it's really not that bad when it really is. And I think there's a, there's a quote I've heard going back several months, and it says this, one of the most hurtful things we can do is to make someone justify their pain. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say I'm sorry for the times I've done that to you. And hopefully I think we've grown a lot in that. But for those that, that are loving someone with mental health, that's something we can all really work on um, mm-hmm. is, is not making someone else just justify what they're going through. Well, I think you've seen time and time again so of our girls and our closest family and friends that um, that depression is capable of stealing days, mm-hmm. weeks, months, seasons. Yeah. And you don't want to see that happen time and time again. So I think as a couple who we love each other so much, you'll do anything to try to spare me from that happening. Yeah. So really, you've been trying to spare me from what you know is probably about to continue to happen in our lives and very much back to the analogy of water and me being in the water when you see someone who is going under time and time again you want to go and rescue them and take that load off of them so that that way they can swim freely well the problem is is when I'm in that depressive state I don't believe that I can be saved And so I work against that often. And so it's really just um, that it's not a physical fight, but it's a a mental, emotional fight that is almost more exhausting than a physical fight can be because it's hooked with emotion. It's hooked with feeling. It's hooked with um, physical pain, often headaches, just so many things that can pull you back under that water. And you forget what it feels like to not be pulled down like that. So you forget that it's possible. Yeah. And let's, you know, not, we don't want to minimize, too, the impacts of depression. Depression is and can be a a deadly disease. Mm -hmm. And there may be some of you listening who know that, um, unfortunately, all too well, as you've seen a loved one go through this, possibly you've even lost a loved one to suicide. And we know that... um, that is a, a horrible ending for depression, but it can be um, where somebody ends up just because they feel that feeling and they can't they can't get out. One of the I think one of the most powerful things I, I heard a writer talk about um, is that it can feel like you're in a room that's on fire, and the only way to escape is to jump out of the window. Mm-hmm. And how scary! And that just hit me like a ton of bricks when I, I realized there's been a lot of times, Stacey, you may have felt like that. Um, so when you're in that mindset, a couple of things we just want to touch on real quick mm-hmm. is that um, it's not something that, that we can reason out of or even argue is the right word, but argue. I, I can't give you a reason necessarily just to snap you out of that. Right. I try so hard to make it go away. Yeah. I want to feel different. I want to have a mind like other people's. I long for that at different times. Not that that mind is easy, mm-hmm. but it's more uh, familiar to people so that when you're talking to them, they don't look like, wow, I don't understand, or um, perhaps that uh, that can't be true or real. But also, sometimes when I can't get out of that mindset, and I'm trying to describe it, and it's not working, that can often lead to my self-harm. Yeah. 
And that's what we all try to avoid, myself included. I can't just be determined, okay, no matter what Doug says, no matter what my friend says, I'm going to self-harm anyway. Um, That is not recovering well in the way that I desire to recover. It does happen. That's Mm -hmm. a reality for us sometimes, but that's not my desire. Yeah. And I still find myself after all these years kind of falling back into that pattern and that trap of trying to just reason with you or give you reasons. I think we've kind of learned how to navigate through that, but it it's very tempting to do. And it's also, it can be frustrating because you think, well, I'm giving you all these reasons why you shouldn't feel this way. But again, it's not a reason-based disease. Yeah. It is a, it's a illness that, that is a medical issue in many cases. Yes. And I've even had people ask me what, what do you want? Yeah. I've had people just blanket as blankly ask me, what do you want? You have this awesome marriage. You have two precious daughters that are beautiful, talented, just a gift. And you weren't even supposed to have kids. You've got a warm home. You've got friends. You've got extended family. What is it exactly that you want? Yeah. And, I just look at them in those moments and I just go, I have everything. Yeah. So what is my problem? That's what I get so upset about. And I, I think am... for you, it's been, you've been fearful that you, that you've been manipulative, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not, the illness is not, you're not using it like you said to try to get something or, mm-hmm. or communicate that you want something. It's, it is, it is this illness. I am so blessed and I serve a God of hope. What's wrong with me? Yeah. Well, I would say nothing's wrong with you. It's it's an illness. Mm-hmm. And I know you know that. And we can we can talk about that in these moments, but it doesn't feel like that when you're in the throes of it either. Um, you know, Stacy and I obviously are not doctors. You may have thought listening, uh, just made some assumptions that we're both neuroscientists, but we're not. Huh. Um, so, <laughs> you know, but I do want to say, just in very simple terms, that, you know, depression, clinical depression, which is what we're, what we're really talking about here, and I know is, is a diagnosis Stacy's experienced and lives out, it's, it's really a reality of, of not being able to produce or retain enough of the brain chemical serotonin, and which really is what one of those key factors in our neurochemistry that allows us to hold on to and hang on to and retain healthy thoughts. So many times when you're in that tunnel, um, as you described, or you you feel like you're going underwater, as you described, you know, you, you can't pause and say, oh, this is this, this, and this, but it really is an issue going back to neuroscience and um, brain chemistry. And I think that's so important because one of, um, you know, well-meaning people, well-meaning people in our lives, Stacy, um, people we trust and love, you know, there's sometimes that temptation, especially in the church or in Christian circles to think, well, or to tell somebody, well, you know, you just read your Bible more, meditate on these scriptures, um, memorize this Bible passage. Maybe it's when you get caught up in thinking, if I would just do something more, if I'd pray more or, or go to church more, something that surely that will solve this problem. And and while we certainly, yes, truth, truth overcomes lies. And truth can overcome lies, but there's the reality that clinical depression is a medical issue, as we just said, 
It's a brain chemistry neuroscience event which makes it impossible at times or at least extremely difficult for the brain to believe, understand, and hold on to this truth that says, no, things aren't as dark as it looks like. Things aren't as dark as it seems. But that just brain chemistry thing going on, the clinical depression, can swallow all that up in darkness. Mm-hmm. So, Stacy, how do you how do you balance those two things out? Because I know that you you are a person that certainly believes in truth, and and you believe that the truth uh, can shape us. Um, you know, the Bible talks about letting letting the truth of God renew our minds. But at the same time, as you as you try to hold on to those truths, really your illness. Your body, your brain is is fighting against that and working against that from a medical perspective. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you balance those two things out as you deal with depression? I used to just make kind of a blanket statement and just go, "My mind is a mistake. Mm-hmm. My my life is a mistake." And as I've continued to get help and study the Bible and be encouraged by those who are in the profession of mental illness, um, I have realized that no matter why my mind is the way it is, that I have the responsibility to do my best either way, whether it's what's considered to be normal, what it, whether it's considered to be manic, whatever the title it is of um, what my brain is called, um, I just want to keep over and over again, giving my mind to Jesus all day, every day, because that's the only way I have a chance. Mm-hmm. So really, I don't know how to balance it, but I just know it's about a surrender. Mm-hmm. Because if I compare my mind to other people's mind, I always lose. Not because I feel sorry for myself, but because it's the majority of the people's minds that are different than mine. And so when I start to compare myself, I go, you know what, I'm going to lose here instead of saying, God, thank you so much for how special my mind is and how different my mind is. Sometimes I do give in to that comparison and that's when I begin to lose. Some days my reality is that I am so overwhelmed that I can't fight. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. On those days, in those moments, in those seasons, um, it's very important for me just to surrender and submit and just say, God, I just admit to you right now that I can't fight today. I can't fight this morning. I, I, I'm i tired. I'm weary from this. Can you please carry me? What does that look like? Um, letting other people know other than the Lord too. I'm not doing well today. Using my voice, talking, um, meditating on scripture, resting on those days and not pushing myself so hard to feel like I have a normal brain on the days that not only do I know I don't have a normal brain, but my brain is not really working very much um, to benefit me at all. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and, I, and it's easy for me to get on a soapbox. And I told you I was going to do this because because I I, I, I jump in a lot of times and, and I, I can get defensive. I can get um, protective of you. Because I know that, you know, there's a lot of well-meaning voices out there at times. We've all heard them. Likely, if you're listening, you may have heard them as well that just gives you advice. And it could be kind of spiritual advice. It could be just, hey, just go for a walk and enjoy nature kind of advice that tries to tell us, well, this is all you have to do to, to get out of your depression. And what that is, is that person is giving us advice or giving you advice out of, 
well, what works for their brain? And it's really hard for us to get kind of outside of how we see things to how somebody else sees things. And so we can say, well, hey, for me, if I just spend, you know, 15 minutes a day meditating on this or thinking happy thoughts or studying my Bible or whatever it may be, that's what you got to do to be happy. That's what you got to do to not be depressed. But that's not the reality because that's good for somebody else, but they may just be dealing with some situational things that just like life throws all of us, situational sadness, you might call it situational depression, but they're not battling the same chemical kind of neuroscience issues going on within your brain or someone else that has been diagnosed with clinical depression. And so those very things that are solutions, you know, while they may be beneficial and helpful and encouraging to you, when you're in those dark moments or those dark days, that's not, you know, that's, it would be like me saying to somebody else, well, if you're, if, if you're having a, a heart attack, just pray about it. You know, that sounds extreme, but it's also, it's also that same reality. Yes, we're going to pray if you're having a heart issue and we believe God will, can help, can, can protect, can heal, can do all those things. But at the same time, we're going to seek medical assistance and medical help and professional help from somebody, a cardiologist that's trained in that field. And the same for you. So for us, it's that blending of, yes, there are things that we're doing that you have done and consistently done, Stacy, for years to grow yourself in your relationship with God, to understand what he teaches us in his word, to trust him more, but at the same time to not negate the fact that I am battling a medical issue, a neuroscience issue, and therefore I also you also seek out medical professional help. And you get that. And as we'll talk about it, it includes medicine. It includes professional counseling in addition to, you know, developing your spiritual life. And so that's, okay, stepping off my soapbox. Mm. But that's that's kind of my passion to talk about that because I know that, that it's easy for others to just say, well, this is a simple solution. Yeah, I just want to say that your protecting me has been developed over the years because sure. you have hurt people's response and honestly, um, outspokenness to me yeah. many times as if I'm not in here listening. Right. Um, as if I'm not really a person, if that's how my mind operates. And um, I just wanted to kind of let y'all know how I have come to peace with that. Um and it does pertain to the way we are moving through this for today. And that is, is that I know without a doubt that God is capable and able of healing me right now. Mm-hmm. There is not a doubt in my mind. Sometimes I've told God, you know what? My mind is an absolute joke. It is a circus in there. I do not know how to navigate through it. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to be here when this is going on? And I've just come to the thought that um, he could do that. But it's not about me being well and happy. It's about him using what we go through, what my mind goes through, in order to draw people to him. Mm-hmm. Whatever that looks like, whatever that looks like is very difficult for me to say. But we've had people come over and pray for me how many times 
and we've had people and we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of healing. And to me, God is healing me. Yeah. It just doesn't look like what everybody else wants it to look like. And that's real hard for people to accept. Yeah. That's why some people can't be around me is because they're like, that's not what I thought it was going to look like. I believe in prayer. You must not. So I'm going to go on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be on my way. It is perspective. And, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. It's that Bible verse, you know, in Second Corinthians where where Paul says, you know, he had an issue. We don't know exactly what that issue was. He says, I prayed for God three times to take it away. And God says, um, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm-hmm. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so... We have to trust in uh, that power, God's power, showing up and, and revealing Himself in our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So I just get to the point where I have to get past asking why, what, how, and just go, God, what is what is this moment, what is this day yeah. needing to look like in order to glorify You? Because right now I know, without a doubt, my mind does not want me to be here. So let's flip flop that and make it about You. Yeah. Stacy, when we started um, to realize how bad depression was for you and also kind of looking at your family history of depression and realizing, you know, okay, it's, it's pretty significant, how did that make you feel? I think one of the biggest words that came to my mind was scared. Yeah. I can remember my great-grandmother having, experiencing depression and some, some consequences in her family because of that. My grandmother, Nanny, having depression mm-hmm. and um, some of the difficulties because of that. And then my own mom having manic depression and then me having manic depression. And I just thought, if there's any way I can stop this before it gets to our girls, I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. They, It's almost like I felt like I must deserve this and they don't. So, if you, God, if you'll just let me take it. I don't want to pass this on to them. I want to break this cycle, break this chain. I'll do anything for them not to have to experience it. Really quickly went from my mom to my girls. And I was just kind of kind of in the mix there, um, in the middle, in the gray area, just scared to death. Yeah. I think, I think confused and scared mm-hmm. is a great way to describe that for us. I think you've said at times you felt trapped maybe mm-hmm. in like, how am I going to get out of this? Um, you know, but... You know, we thought we could outrun it for a long time, mm-hmm. and we really couldn't. But I also think because we couldn't outrun it, it's forced you, it's forced us to deal with it and to get better. And and you're putting in the hard work to get better. Mm-hmm. As we've, as you've talked about and described, okay, what it's like. Is there anything, Stacy, that you would say? Okay, I can kind of pinpoint these things here to be triggers. That, that this thing triggers the depression for me? Well, I can think of a couple of things. One of the first things is, is that I love people. I love my relationships. I can't think of one relationship that I would want to go without because everybody in my life is so different and serves a different purpose, and I hopefully do the same for them. And it's just precious for me to see how God has kind of weeded some people away Um, for whatever reason, but the ones that he has allowed me to keep in my life, 
I want them to stay so much because I love them so much and they've seen so much. They've seen so much of the two steps forward, three steps back. They've seen growth too, though. And so if I feel like that I have hurt them or said something, whether it be through texting, um, a quick conversation, uh, something on the phone that we have said real quick, I am just overwhelmed with fear. And um, also, I begin to really put myself down because I think, that person is so awesome. I must be such a loser if I am the one who's going to hurt that person or possibly push them or draw them away because of what I've said. And I I do use that word in my own self-talk. Words like loser, ridiculous, different things like that. And I'm working on not doing that. But to say that I use words that aren't quite that bad or or aren't quite that um, intense, intense, I guess, yeah. Is just not true. I'd go there. I'd go there time and time again. And that's when I need to spend more time in the scriptures to say who I am instead of who I'm not. Mm -hmm. Because I would never, even in my most desperate times, call a friend or a family member a loser or somebody who's ridiculous or somebody who's undeserving of love or friendship or relationship. So I go there. I go real deep, and I try to really hurt myself emotionally with those words. I think that's, a, that's reflective of that, just like you said, the dark tunnel mm-hmm. or, you know, or the the being drug under by the, by the water is that as you're feeling swallowed up, it's, you know, you can't keep those healthy thoughts and your mm-hmm. self-talk goes dark and negative um, really fast. You know, one of the things, too, though, we've talked about is is because it is an illness, there's not always some sort of external or environmental trigger. Right. It, it could be. It just happens because mm-hmm. your brain chemistry is just off at that moment for, for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we'll go on vacation or go on a weekend um, holiday and I will be so excited and we'll go and I'll get to the cabin or to the hotel and I'll I'll be there and I'll be enjoying things so much and then I'll realize my response in my own head I'll go oh no my mind came with me mm-hmm. it's something that I would love to leave at home or I would love to leave somewhere yeah. but it's the very thing that makes my mind so hurt is the very thing that also makes it so resilient. And the thing that makes me hurt so bad is the same mind that hurts for other people. So it keeps that mercy level really high. So would I really want to not have my mind with me when we go those places? Not like I have a choice, but sometimes I just go, Stacy, you know, it it is what it is. And let's just use it to glorify God and to just keep taking one step and then the next step, and then the next step, instead of going, when is this going to go away? How can I escape it? Because, gosh, I've been there. But I think, as we being truthful, too, it is it is a hard reality. Mm, it's it a really hard is. reality. It's it's an exhausting reality yeah. for you. That, and, and, and I can sympathize with that. I can empathize with that. But I can't take it from you. Yeah. I can try to be there, but that's and that's hard, and I can't take it from you. Um, you know, we talked earlier about how it feels, what it looks like, um, kind of painting that. You did a really good job painting that picture for us, Stacey. Um, what are some things you found 
that help you reset. So you you you're you're going into that kind of dark tunnel, or you're there, you're feeling drug under by the by the weight of this. Um, are so, there's some things that you've experienced that you've done, some practices you've put into your life as your part of your recovery that help you reset and and try to stem the tide, if you will, of of those dark thoughts mm-hmm. and that depression. It's been hard to mm-hmm. find things to help my mind reset. It takes a discipline to reset, whereas you can just keep things going further and further down the dark tunnel a lot easier. Yeah. I can just let that spin out. Whereas when I need to stop and go, okay, I'm stopping. Okay, now what's my next step need to be? Sometimes that next step, most of the time that next step is reaching out to someone who will speak truth into my life. Mm-hmm. Usually I'm really down on myself at that time. And I'll say, gosh, I'm so sorry to bother you. I'm having a really hard time right now. Is there any way you could step away from what you're doing and help me? That is very humbling. I, It takes a lot of um, submission, I feel like, and surrender in order to be able to step back and do that and not be a child. And um, when I do that, sometimes they'll say, okay, let's look at the scriptures together. And that just resets my mind too, almost instantly. To, for me to read out of the Bible, what my mind is saying is, is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. My mind is saying the opposite of what God's word is saying. And that catches me often. Um, I know medicine is part of your daily regimen. Mm-hmm. And we were not going to say what your what medicines you take, but, but you have been, you know, um, prescribed medicine, which you do take consistently. So how does that medicine kind of impact or, or help in the process? Mm-hmm. It kind of takes the edge off. Mm-hmm. What it mostly does, you would think that, I don't know, that it would really just take over my mind so that it's not me reacting or me answering or me responding, but that's not true. It's still me, I would mm-hmm. say, for the most part, it's just taking off that edge so that I can begin to think clearly mm-hmm. as much as possible in that moment. And I think that that's a misconception sometimes when, when people say, oh, well, you can just take medicine. Or I've also heard this at times. I think I'm speaking more generally, maybe not necessarily directed to you. They're like, well, oh, all you have to do is just pop a pill or take this this medicine and it's going to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. And I think for you and, and probably for many people is that it really just kind of in some way just gives you a chance. It's not yeah. like the solution. It just gives you a chance mm-hmm to apply the things you've learned, whether it be in counseling, the, the truth you read when you when you read the Bible, um, you get encouragement from a friend. It gives your mind a chance to apply and take those things in, but it doesn't just totally make everything sunshine and roses. No, and I guess that's a choice you and I made um, a few years ago when my mind started getting more intense. It's... Um, it's a choice that we needed to choose path A or B on. Path A is we can get me more medication through the help of doctors and I can basically exist so that my mind doesn't hurt me so bad. Yeah. And so that I don't get so, so depressed with the manic depression. 
and because the serotonin does not form in my mind on its own. Or we can choose to take medication, give me medication that will take the edge off and me still function, but really have to fight hard. Yeah. So far, that's what we have opted to do. Not so that we can say, oh, look at us. We're fighting so hard. I'm fighting so hard and I barely take anything. No, I'm on quite a few medications because of how severe my depression is. Mm -hmm. Some people might look at it and go, gosh, you're on this much medication and you're still walking around. My body, my body metabolizes medication very quickly. And without going into, like Doug said, any of the, the um, specifics about it, one would think that I would just be out cold. Yeah. But I'm not. But we did choose to go with plan B and take the edge off with the medication that's the best out there and for me to fight the rest of the way. Yeah. And I think in, you know, in therapy kind of terms, you would, you would say that's the cognitive piece of that, the cognitive therapy where you're, you're really relearning a lot of those how to, how to basically recreate new pathways in your mind through through proper thinking through through thoughts that that um, help you just escape those those well-worn tracks of dark thoughts that can flood in with depression but the reality is is that's extremely hard work mm-hmm. and it's exhausting work and I know yeah. many days after your your therapy sessions you know you're kind of wiped out I mean mm-hmm. you're wiped out in just, it's just the mental, it's just this wrap-up of mental, emotional, physical effort you're putting into it. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I know, Stacey, that, that is, is really helpful, too, is just, you know, for, for you and I to go on a walk, to get outside, to be in fresh air, um, to engage with others. So, so while not always, you know, foolproof kind of remedies, those are kind of elements that do help you reset. Yeah. It's part of the medication yeah it's part of my responsibility is having of having this type of mind is to know what to do next and next and next and sometimes that is moment by moment going god what is the next step what is that supposed to look like and the thing that i've noticed is is that when i've asked him that he has never failed to show me yeah. it's when i think that i um, am too much and i choose not to ask him that things get all messed up. Yeah. You know, one thing I think that's very important is whether you're a family member or someone that's a friend, a close friend possibly to someone that struggles with depression or, you know, you struggle yourself um, in those clear thinking moments is that you know what those safety valves are. Mm-hmm. We referenced earlier um let's be honest, how deadly depression can be. Mm-hmm. And so you need to know if you're getting into kind of that, that darkness, that bad, bad kind of headspace, if you will, what those safety valves are. So you're not trying to figure it out while you're swimming, just trying to get back up to the surface. And if you're someone that loves someone in that position, you know, talk to your a professional counselor, work with your family's therapist, whoever you're working with through this, to kind of know, okay, if this happens, if this happens, if we end up in this kind of bad, bad spot, here's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Here's who I should call. What's my emergency plan? Mm-hmm. And, and while we're not therapists, I would just encourage anybody out there to take those steps to be prepared because this is a severe disease. And you may need at some point that emergency plan. 
And, and we even talk about it in our pilot. You can go back there and talk about a really, really dark night years ago where where we were just learning. And had we had an emergency plan, it might have helped us, though though we got through that night, might have helped us a little bit better. So, Stacy, as we wrap up today's episode, what would you say are some things that have helped you find joy in the midst of a really strong, tough battle with deep depression? Well, one thing is it's just allowed me to get to know some people that otherwise I would never get to know. Some of the most courageous people that I've ever met mm-hmm. battle depression, eating disorder, anxiety, self-harm, yeah. all of these things. And the joy, I have not found joy in the cycles of depression, but have found um, Jesus at those lowest points, which proves he is not just there when things are all good, but he's there in the darkest times too. And to be able to let our daughters and the people in our lives see that he's there in the darkest points parts and not just when everything is going well is a testimony that I don't even have to tell. People can just see that because they're seeing that he is a God who stays. And in a world where we don't know who's going to come and who's going to go, he is a God who stays. And that's probably one of the most important things in my entire life that brings me joy, not temporary happiness, but overall joy. Yeah. Earlier, Stacy, you said something which in the in some of your darkest thinking and in depths of the depression, you know, you can out of frustration, out of out of pain, really, you can say, My mind has to be a mistake. Mm-hmm. But I do think we can find hope in the fact that really throughout the Bible we see that God understood, God was there. And that depression was not foreign to people that interacted with God then, and it's not foreign to people that interact with God now, today in our modern times. There's several places in the Bible where we see um, just writers of the, of the scriptures revealing maybe their struggle with depression as they're pouring their hearts out. You can see a lot of that in Psalms, uh, other places, certainly in the Old Testament as well as the New. I know one that's that's meant a lot to us, meant a lot to you, Stacy. Mm-hmm is Psalm 35, where it says, Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Mm-hmm. I think there's been a lot of those nights where you've been in that dark tunnel and felt like, you know, you, you can't get out. And um, the promise of God there is that joy does come in the morning. I know, Stacy, a passage that has meant a lot to you is Isaiah chapter 43. Yes, it feels like it was written just for me because of how um, how it's worded. But it says... But now, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And I can't imagine having something more um, personalized than that because sometimes I do feel like I'm going to be swept over and you may have had that same feeling and you do feel like that you're going through something that you're not going to make it out of and I understand and more importantly God understands so Isaiah 43 is very very close to my heart maybe you could take a look at that later today 
It really does speak to what you said a little bit earlier, Stacy. that promise and that reality that you've experienced in your life and that we know, even in the midst of depression, even in the midst of the darkness, that God stays. Yeah. God doesn't let go mm-hmm. of us. It's even in those moments maybe that God is carrying us even closer to his heart. Hey, we want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We want to thank all of you that have encouraged us in different ways through messages um, that have jumped on and maybe left a review or have left a rating. That means so much to us, but it also really does help get the podcast to other people that may be needing to hear something like this. Uh, I know that the way the ratings and reviews work, it just seems to raise uh, the the podcast up on the searches possibly if someone's looking for a message like this. So we invite you to do that. If you haven't done it yet, please jump on there. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. um, Share it with your friends. Share via your social media. If you know someone particularly that could benefit from this message of hope, uh, please share it with them. Just help us get the, get this word out to, to the people that uh, I think would benefit from it. Um, if you are enjoying what you're hearing and would like to continue to, to be one of the first ones to know when a podcast is made available, I know on Apple you can subscribe, on Spotify you can follow, on maybe a different podcast player there's a way to, to, to follow or click to make sure you're the first one notified when a new podcast is up. So we invite you to do that. Subscribe, follow, uh, follow along on your personal podcast player. But um, that would mean a lot to us and, and really help us Absolutely. make sure this message is getting out there. Mm-hmm. We have two, I think, really special episodes coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about uh, doing a little bit of a deeper dive into, um, Stacy your inpatient stay. Yeah. When you had a, and we've talked about that, you had four months of an inpatient stay several years ago mm-hmm. um, in uh, eating disorder facilities specifically focused on that. Um, and we're going to talk about that more, how you navigated that, how our family navigated that. And then also, since you've left there, the importance of, uh, and the ongoing importance of a treatment team mm-hmm. and how that has really meant a lot to you, your commitment to it has meant a lot to your recovery. It's meant a lot to our family, really. So Mm -hmm. we're going to do a deeper dive on that. And then the week after that, we're going to have a special panel discussion (laughs) with uh, several of Stacy's friends that have been friends for 20 or more years. And we're going to... Bless their hearts. We're going to uh, have some questions <laughs> for them and let them talk and um, share. We're going to just kind of enter that conversation about what's it like to have a friend that struggles with mental illness and what are ways they have found they can be of support, can be of encouragement, and some things they've learned along the mm-hmm. way. So we're going to feed them a bunch of questions and let them talk, and we're going to have a lot of fun together as that group. But that's going to be coming out in a couple weeks, and we want you to be aware of that, and we can't wait to share that with you. Um, for now, hey, we just thank you again yes, for listening, you. for being a part of this, and uh, we look forward to seeing you back here next week. God bless you guys.